I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. It's summer, and who doesn't like to hang out at the pool? In most American cities, that used to mean heading down to the neighborhood pool where you found familiar faces and lots of strangers. In fact, prior to 1940, private swimming pools were almost exclusively the province of the extremely wealthy. For instance, in 1950, the nation had only 2,500 private in-ground pools. But by 2009, that number had soared to 5.2 million private pools in the U.S. Ben Bryant is a self-professed fan of Philadelphia's public pools, and he is determined to make them once again convivial places for people to hang out and enjoy the company of neighbors and friends. Ben, who is with Group Melvin Design, is a winner of this year's Night Cities Challenge with his pop-up pool project. Ben, you are a Night Cities Challenge winner. Congratulations. Tell me about your winning entry. Thank you. Our winning entry um, is called the Pop-Up Pool Project. And the idea behind it is um, to take public uh, municipal pools and see if we can make them into um, greater civic spaces. So essentially taking um, a public pool, which for the most part is kind of used just for swimming, um, which is a great function, um, but doesn't have, but, but isn't necessarily the destination where uh, just like other parks um, in a city are. And this project is all about reimagining the potential of what a public municipal pool um, can be and what role that it can serve um, in communities throughout the country. I just love this project. Where did the inspiration for your idea come from? I think the inspiration for the idea came from a couple of different things. Um, one is just my own appreciation that developed since I've lived in Philadelphia over the past 10 years for the public pool system in Philadelphia in general. Philadelphia has an amazing um, public pool system. It has more public pools per capita than any other city in the country. And the pools themselves are really equitably distributed across all of the city's neighborhoods. Philadelphia is over 100 square miles. It's a lot of ground to cover. But if you look at a map of the, where the municipal pools are, they're really spread out throughout the neighborhoods. And, you know, Philadelphia being a northeastern city in Pennsylvania, it gets pretty hot and humid here in the summer. So the pools serve a great function for a great place to cool off. Um, you know, it's a dense urban environment in here in Philly. But, you know, unlike a lot of other spaces, pools kind of have to be actively managed. So they provide an opportunity for employment for lifeguards and staffers and other things that support the pools themselves. They, uh, you know, provide an opportunity for exercise, for people to learn new skills, and for a place for kids to go. Very popular um, children's destinations. So I think part of the inspiration for this project came from just appreciating how great of an asset the pools already are, but also seeing some of the effects of the recession and budget cutbacks at the municipal level and how that threatens you know, the potential future for a lot of municipal pools, including in Philadelphia. Um, you know, the pools are not necessarily um, easy or cheap things to operate. And with reductions in the amount of money available, 
um, in public dollars in cities for public goods. You know, it, they are they're something that you know could potentially could be on the chopping block in the future in other in other municipalities. So I think part of this is a way of bringing up the profile of the important role that municipal pools play in our communities. So that's one part of it is figuring out how do we you know how do we bring these back into civic life. The other part of it is you know what's the strategy for what's the strategy for doing that. How do we get people excited and interested in thinking about ways that we can rethink um, how we're using public spaces or vacant spaces? One of the examples of how to do that that we've seen quite a lot of in Philadelphia, and I know has been experimented with across the country, is by using tactical urbanism strategies or pop-up strategies in order to, um, you know, very quickly, very tactically put improvements down on the ground so that people can test them out and so you can see the results and experiment with different ways of activating spaces and do it very quickly, very cheaply, while making a pretty large impact. And usually what happens is uh, when those projects are successful, say, you know, what the firm um, or what Jan Gell did in New York City with Times Square or what the University City District in Philadelphia did with the porch in front of 30th Street Station or what DRWC did um, in Philadelphia with Spruce Street Harbor Park along the waterfront is, um, you know, a proactive strategy of putting these pop-up improvements down and all of a sudden, as soon as you have people starting to use those spaces and you start to see how active they become, constituency is built um, for, you know, for reimagining these spaces. And, you know, by proving it, all of a sudden, everyone starts to see these spaces differently and see the potential um, that would have been hard to imagine otherwise. So, you know, this project is kind of about marrying those two strategies um, in order to show people what the potential is for public pools to be you know, really great civic spaces um, where different people can come together and where people can spend a lot of time in the summer cooling off, having fun, meeting new neighbors, and, you know, supporting an asset that's our, that's really already there in a lot of neighborhoods. I know you're just getting underway, but what's the toughest thing you've encountered about the project to date? It's funny. We're, we're really kind of – one of the things that's fun about this is that since – we're trying to hit the summer of 2015 and the summer of 2016. We've been speeding along pretty well towards getting a pilot site up um, for the 2015 summer. So we're planning on having um, one pilot site up and done that people can test out from about uh, mid-June to mid-August. And so we've been we've been testing some things out and kind of experimenting along the way. And I think one of the tough things is that one is to make sure that we kind of keep our focus. You know, there's a lot of different types of pop-up parks. There's pop-up beer gardens. There's, you know, all types of programming that you can do. And a lot of those projects have been aimed at, you know, a crowd that encompasses the whole city. They've been downtown located. They're drawing from the whole city. They have a, re a very regional draw. Whereas these projects um, with the pools, while they could have a regional draw, they're really more neighborhood-based. And so part of the challenge is kind of trying to think through 
what that means in terms of doing of doing this project, and also trying to keep a focus on um, on doing things that really enhance the pools and, and enhance the user experience around the pools. So trying to make sure that we're not doing a pop up that just happens to be next to a pool, but that we're really doing as much as we can to um, uh, enhance the pool experience itself. Another actually another challenge um, I'd kind of forgotten about this one because we're a couple of months away from it. Um, but one of the big design challenges early on was that uh, while all the team members were very much on board with doing this project, there's a there's kind of a longstanding restriction um, with a lot of municipal pools that you cannot do that they're very uncomfortable and generally say no to any additions that are not bolted down that are within the pool deck. So that means basically, you know, if you picture a municipal pool, there's generally three components. There's the large fence that defines the pool area. There's the deck, um, which is the concrete pad um, that sits within that fenced-in area. And then there's the pool itself. And you know, in order to enhance the pool experience, our first thought that was that you would do things to that you would add things to the deck area that you might see, say, for example, at a private swim club. Um, you know, like lounge chairs, uh, tables and benches, planters, umbrellas, things like that. The restriction with municipal pools generally is that because of liability reasons. Um, they don't want any of the there's a they restrict people from bringing in chairs or things like that those types of elements that make it more comfortable to stay at the pool longer um, and make it more of a kind of a diverse space in terms of function um, so we had to go over a design hurdle with thinking okay if if there's if there's real restrictions on what we can do inside the deck what does that mean for this project and what we figured out is that you can do two things. One is you can do complementary stuff outside of the deck area that enhances, you know, that, that enhances the pool experience over, you know, somebody's whole time that they're spending at the recreation center. So, for example, you could go for a swim with family, and then when you're out and come out, you could go into a separate area um, just outside the pool fence that has lounge chairs that you can relax in, that has outdoor games that your kids can play, things like that. But the thing that I'm most excited about is that we did figure out a way to incorporate all of those seating benefits, the planting benefits, um, all of those awesome great amenities that you see at private pools into something that we could put inside deck um, that still meets the restrictions set up by the municipality. And what we figured out is that if one of the restrictions is um, to not have anything that can be lifted up or thrown around or stolen or damaged by one or two, one or two bad apples, then if we could create a built-in component that's almost kind of like a, a parklet in a pool that is easy enough to bring in and install at the beginning of the summer and easy enough to disassemble and take away um, at the end of the summer, um, but it's not light enough so that somebody could, you know, pick up a piece of it and walk away, or pick up a piece of it and throw it around, or you know, do horseplay on it or things like that. So it meets doing that solution meets all of the concerns with doing things on the pool deck, but I think it's also going to create a really interesting, um, really exciting signature piece 
that has built into it all of those um, great elements like lounge chairs, shade, planters, things like that to make that pool experience really exciting. And maybe even, you know, more exciting than at a private swim club. It's really fun when constraints act in a way that make you um, more creative and more imaginative. Ben, what what difference do you hope to see in Philadelphia as a result of your winning idea? Are people, I, I love what you said about people who, if you can get people to use space, it then builds a constituency for space. And that's one of the great, great benefits of tactical urbanism. Are there other expectations you have for this project? One of, one of the things is definitely building, building a constituency, because I think as amazing of a resource um, as the pools are, they kind of just fly under the, ra- under the radar a little bit. You know, for various reasons, they're just not so the, the pools are kind of seen, I think, generally municipal pools, especially as something that serve a function of, you know, a place for kids to swim in the summer that don't have other options. But that's about as far as kind of the public perception of municipal pools go. Um, and that has kind of a long history to it as to why, um, you know, why why we think about that. And I'll kind of digress for a second and explain a little bit of that history that, that I've learned. You know, there was a time when municipal pools first started in the late 19th century. They were um, built specifically for bathing for um, the lower classes that lived in the city. At that time, only middle class and upper and upper class people had access to um, bathing facilities within their home. So it was a way of dealing with what society saw as a problem with kind of the great unwashed masses. Now, there, there was some incorrect thinking that just putting out a body of water and having people going to swim in it would be uh, enough to keep. There were some misunderstandings as to how germs were transferred at the time, but they, were very, they used to be very popular assets. And in the 20s and 40s, or the 20s to the 40s, the idea of leisure pools and that these were public spaces where everybody could go and that they were really kind of key destinations in the summer became the thinking in the United States. And private pools were, you know, were almost non-existent unless you were very, very wealthy. You know, back in the 1930s, for example, 30 million Americans swam in pools 350 million times each year, and the majority of that was all in public pools. Um, so it used to be something that was that was a civic space, and that was an important destination that everybody went. However. Unfortunately, there were a lot of incidents of racial segregation at the pools at that time as well. Um, And integration eventually happened um, in the late 40s and 50s, but that was also the same time that suburbanization started happening and private swim clubs and private pools um, in people's backyards started forming. So what kind of emerged is two, you know, two disparate classes of of pools. One was the private pool that you paid for, whether it was in your backyard or a club, um, and the other was the public pool, which was kind of left high and dry, so to speak. So I think a lot of that is part of the reason why pools today are kind of seen more of as a facility rather than a great, um, rather than a great civic space. 
Um, and, you know, when I go to the pool, I see the potential of, um, you know, how big of an attractor that is for the summer, how if you provided places for people to sit, to pe- for people to relax and for people to interact, that they could be civic spaces where different people met and, um, and started to mix. And so what I'm hoping with this project is that it starts to build a constituency that, number one, is interested in the pools as is, as kind of part of Philadelphia's great public space network, but that also starts to rethink and gets people to start to rethink, you know, what pools are, like what, you know, get people to start to reimagine what their definition of a public pool is and to start to um, use this project as a way of, a way of expanding people's imaginations um, of seeing a public pool not just as a facility for um, children to swim in that don't necessarily have another option in the summer, but as seeing the public pools as a vital open space resource that um, provides employment, exercise, and a great place to spend time um, in the summer. And, you know, I think that hopefully, you know, it would be great to see the project expand through Philadelphia and and more. And hopefully what we're going to do is um, create a model of how to do this, both in terms of fundraising and implementation and how to do the, what the design parameters are um, so that other cities can try this as well. Ben, I love it. Thanks so much for being our guest on Night Cities and for doing this work. Thank you very much. Ben Bryant developed the Philadelphia Pop-Up Pool Project, one of this year's 32 Night Cities Challenge winners. You can follow us on Twitter at hashtag Night Cities and at C. Coletta. Sign up for our newsletter at nightfoundation.org forward slash podcast to get the five things you should know from this interview and others. You've been listening to Night Cities. I'm Carol Coletta. <laughs>